pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's talk some Cavaliers basketball right now, and we welcome in the outstanding writer for hoopswire.com you can follow him on twitter at amico hoops he is sam amico sam thanks for making time for us love getting you on here early in the season to pick your brain about the cavaliers who are one and two after the first three games and i guess the big story isn't the record sam but all the injuries that they're dealing with early on in the season what's the latest on that well it sounds like on top of everything else that uh karis lavert could be out too they're already going to be without Darius Garland for another game with a hamstring issue. Jared Allen, who went through a full practice yesterday, remains out with an ankle issue that he suffered early in training camp. And now Karis LeVert with a hamstring issue is listed as questionable, as is, of course, Donovan Mitchell. So, you know, as I was saying earlier, Kenny, in my column, the Cavs could build a pretty cool Frankenstein for Halloween with all those sore body parts, but it's not going to do much on the court. Sam, the hamstring injuries are with Garland, with Mitchell, and with uh, Karis LeVert. I mean, what gives with that? You would think with training camp and everything, Conditioning. And these guys would be be ready to go, but, but how do all three of them have the same injury? It doesn't make much sense. Uh, you know, hamstrings particularly are, I, I'm not a doctor, but obviously those things tend to go in basketball first before everything else. Um, and it's just, it's just this dumb luck, really. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Everybody came into camp in shape and they really put a focus on conditioning in camp. The players will tell you that. JB Bickerstaff will tell you that. So it's, you know, look, it's, Jamie Bickerstaff said a couple of things the other day. Number one, the joke is that the more medical personnel you hire, the more injuries you have. <laughs> and uh, number two uh, was, you know, look, it's it's better to have this happening now, you hope, than, than toward the middle and end of the season. Sam, is there no rhyme, no reason, or is there a reason? And the reason could be this. And they said during training camp, and we saw it during media day, we're gonna our our offensive approach. We want to get up and down. You can say that you trained all off season long as as much as you want to. I'm not so sure they've been getting up and down the floor. But if they were running more, to me, that's where you get the soft tissue injuries. Yeah, you know, and that's that's probably has a little to do with the fact that they've been practicing that way getting up and down the court, even if it's not showing in game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's, I think they're definitely pushing the ball more off the, uh, off the misses from the opposing team this year. But um, it's, it's really hard to tell why these things all happen. They always seem to happen all at once. And, uh, you know, the NBA is trying to curtail this stuff where it's, if guys are just sore, they play, but uh we don't know the extent of the injuries, so it wouldn't be fair to, to say how severe they are. 
Sam, this in-season tournament, it gets underway when? Is it this week or next? Late Friday at Indiana. So what are your thoughts on this whole thing? I, You know, look, I, I think that it's not needed, to be frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the Commissioner Silver's way of trying to drum up some interest when ratings are probably hurting and sagging at this time of year. I mean, we've got the NFL going on. We've got college football. We've got, you know, obviously today, as Kenny alluded to, the NFL trade deadline. There's just not a whole lot of interest in the NBA at this time of year. And, you know, within a few weeks here, we're going to have college basketball too. So it's a hard time of year for the NBA. He thought, I think Adam Silver thought, we'll give this a try, see how it goes. I don't see that if it doesn't do anything, and I don't suspect it will drum up much interest Mm -hmm. other than a handful of very diehard fans who would be watching anyway, but it's not going to drum up any interest in the casual fan. I think it's just confusing Mm -hmm. to most of the casual fans. So I'm I'm not big on that. I'm not big on the play in tournament. I just think... You know, and I'm not a super strict traditionalist. There are some changes that the league has made that I like, but this to me is a death type of deal to try to drum up interest, sell merchandise, release press releases on special courts. And to me, it's just, it's one of those blockbuster movies to me that's going to (laughs) fall. Goes right to video, right? Yeah, straight to DVD. Sam Amico joining us from HoopsWire.com, breaking down the Cavs and the NBA with us uh, early in the season. And, Sam, as we mentioned, they're one and two. Uh, Donovan Mitchell hits the game winner on opening night uh, to give them a win in their first game of the year. Uh, And then uh, after that Brooklyn victory, they lose home games to Oklahoma City, which they blew a 10-point lead with two minutes to go. And then uh, Indiana, an up-and-coming team, beats them as well. When the Cavs are whole, Okay, uh, those are two of the other teams that are mentioned with them, aren't they, Sam, as far as young talent that, that will challenge in two or three years, one in the East and one in the West? Absolutely. Both, both of those teams are, are said to be in the same, you know, kind of wavelength and time frame that the Cavs are on. You, you would think that the Cavs are a little bit ahead of them, and I think when they're totally healthy, they are, but... You know, the Thunder considered with Chet Holmgren and obviously Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who's just a fantastic young guard, uh, are, are right up there with them. And people forget the Thunder were in the playing tournament last year and probably got better. Sam, when you look at their roster and compare it to the Cavaliers, Indiana's roster, compare it to the Cavaliers and any of the other up-and-coming young teams, do the Cavaliers stack up with them now? But could possibly fall behind them should Donovan Mitchell leave for the New York Knicks when he's a free agent? Well, I think they're ahead of them now to answer your question, Kenny. Okay. The Pacers and the Thunder. But, yeah, I mean, if Donovan Mitchell were to leave in free agency in a year and a half, uh, then then they would definitely, without a question, fall behind unless you see, you know, Evan Mobley really rise, raise his game to another level. Darius Garland would have to raise his game to another level, the level that he was at two years ago when he was an all-star player. I think, you know, Garland's right on the border of being an all-star, but those other teams, you know, he's not at the level of Tyrese Halliburton for the Pacers. 
It's yep. close, but Halliburton's a, a, a fantastic player, so there's no shame in that. And he's he's not at the level of a shy Gilgis Alexander with the Thunder. So, you know, I think that if if, if Mitchell were to leave or there's, you know, if you sense that he's going to leave, you're going to have to trade him. And I think the Cavs would have better sense of that over the summer. So, because you don't want to fall behind, especially Indiana. I mean, that's the team. You're kind of waiting on teams like Milwaukee, Philly, that just made the big overnight trade with James Harden, the Celtics. You're kind of waiting for those teams to kind of keep aging and fall apart and get older because then the Cavs would be the next natural, uh, you know, next natural Eastern Conference contender if they were to stay as is. But they're there with the Pacers and the Atlanta Hawks are probably there too. You mentioned the guy that I think needs to be the focal point of this team now and in the future, and that's Evan Mobley, okay? We're seeing when uh, guys are hurt and some of the backcourt mates aren't in there, he becomes a focal point. But when both Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland are out there, he's an afterthought. What are your thoughts on how uh, they can make Evan Mobley uh, the centerpiece of this basketball team with Garland and Mitchell, or can't that happen? I think theoretically, yes, that's what you want to happen. You want it to go inside out. We've heard, right? You know, we've we've heard JB Bickerstaff talk about that. Even is getting the ball to Evan and, and initiating the offense through him. I I don't know that that's possible though. I just don't. I think you have two ball dominant guards that you know, and I I don't want to call them selfish. I think that Mitchell takes over a lot when he needs to. I also think that. He, you know, at times it's like, I got this and I'm going to do it. And there'll be other guys wide open and he'll go one-on-one. And, you know, look, he's a fantastic individual player. He's a fantastic scorer. He can't really be contained. But you're right, Kenny. I think in order for this to work, you've got to hope that Mobley becomes kind of your Kevin Garnett or your Tim Duncan, or you're just going to be spinning your wheels as a really good regular season team that's not really getting anywhere in the playoffs. And my fear with Donovan Mitchell is that's been his history throughout his entire career. He did the same thing with the Jazz, happened last year against the Cavs. And, you know, I I don't think it's all on Mitchell, of course. It's a big part of that's on Mobley. You have to demand the basketball. You have to show your teammates when you get the ball, you know, you're going to make – you're going to – you're going to make the basket. You're going to create for others. And he has not really done that consistently to, to get people like Garland and Mitchell's faith in him. So I, I think that the Cavs as an organization really need to shore that up if they hope to really, you know, be a true contender for a championship again. You're probably going to need to develop Mobley and develop the thought process that he is your number one option. And speaking of bigs, what about Jared Allen, Sam? I mean, what should we expect from this guy? Unfortunately, we didn't see him in any of the preseason games. This foot injury doesn't look like it's too banged up. When I see him get introduced at the first home game this year, he ran out onto the floor, albeit he's not exuding a lot of energy energy or anything like that. But, I mean, what should we expect from the offseason where he's thought that, you know, maybe that playoff series with the Knicks last year – he might not have been ready for it. Maybe it was physical. Maybe it was mental. What do you expect from Jared Allen? 
I, I think when he's healthy, and he has, like I said, he went through a full practice yesterday. I was surprised when he was listed as out again. Um, I think it might have caught J.B. Bickerstaff by surprise, but I don't know that for sure. But I, I, I went through a full practice yesterday, and that's usually all it takes for a guy to be activated. But I think that, you know, this is a make-or-break season for him in terms of going out, being physical, being – he's a great defender. I mean, there's he had a bad playoffs, but he's a great defender, and I think he helps out Mobley immensely just by being that other cog in the wheel. You can't double-team Mobley as much because if he passes out of a double-team, Allen's going to – you know, Allen's going to get free for a dunk. So I think that, you know, look, Jared Allen had a terrible series against the Knicks. He's had trouble staying healthy uh, and staying on the court. But he does make a difference. They were the number one ranked defense last year in the Eastern Conference. So I, I think that he's a big reason for that. But he has to bounce back. I think this is a make or break year, whether they decide they're going to move forward with him or look in another direction. Because you, you can always find a seven footer to go in and, you know, alter and block shots. If he's not going to do that consistently and can't stay on the floor then you'll probably turn your attention somewhere else. Sam Amico is our guest. Hoopswire.com covers the Cavs in the NBA. Follow him on Twitter, at Amico Hoops. Also, Sam, what's the podcast on the Press Play Podcast Network you have? That's Cavs on the Break with uh, Chase Smith and, and John Sable, and I know that you and Michael are on that network. So, yeah, we got lots of lots of podcasts on there, but ours is Cavs on the Break. So check that out if you're a Cavs fan for the latest on the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'll give you one last question before we let you go on the Cavs. Georgie Niang, Max Struess. Struess was lights out in the opener, but uh, as Max Struess does, uh, gets cold, uh, you know, just as quick as he can get hot. He's inconsistent for me, just like Karis LeVert is inconsistent. Uh, just your thoughts on those two. I know it's only three games, but uh, those were the two big uh, free agent or trade moves this offseason to help their three-point shooting. You just said it, Kenny. Max Struess is wildly inconsistent. He He's a knockdown shooter. Uh, he, he's a really good athlete who can get to the basket, but you really need – I think the problem with Struess when he's cold so far with the Cavs has been the absence of Garland. Uh, you know, whenever you're missing your starting point guard – your starting shooting guard is going to suffer uh, getting open, getting shots, especially when you're talking about a player like Garland, who's a 20-point threat. You know, So I think that impacts Struess. He's not getting the ball in his spots in his shooting motion. That said, uh, even, even with Garland, we could probably expect him to be a little inconsistent just because that's what the history of, of Struess has said. Niang, I think, you know, same thing. He's getting comfortable in a new situation, still finding his way. He's he's a guy who's going to come in and, you know, give it his all. You don't really realize he's out there a lot of times unless he's making shots, but he's going to come in, play hard, get physical. I just think just by looking at him that he's still getting used to his new surroundings. But that guy was a Cavs killer. Every time the Cavs played them, it was like Joel Embiid and Yang. So I think that he's going to heat up, find his groove, and be okay. And I think Max Struess is what he is. He's going to be 20 points one night, six or eight the next. I just think that's what he is. He's always been that. So 
but it, you, you certainly can't judge either of them, I don't think, when you're missing uh, your, your starting point guard, who's a 20-point scorer, because that frees everybody else up. Sam Amico, we always appreciate the insight, uh, the information. Keep up the fantastic work at HoopsWire.com uh, and uh, on Twitter, at Amico Hoops. And we'll talk to you again throughout the year. All right, Sam? All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Talk to you soon.